Well, we've been talking about boldness. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the gospel, preaching the gospel, right? We've been, we've been, we've been basically talking about what you should be talking about as a Christian, right? We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to do the work of the ministry. We need to tell people about Jesus. Come on, come on. What more do you need when you come to church? See, church is the place that we get equipped. Church is not the place that we really receive all the feels and have all of our emotions tapped and, uh, and, and, and just ex- accelerated, right? Or just gone to another level. We love that about church. But really, church is about equipping. That's what the early church was, was that the Christians came to church to be equipped to go out and do the work of the ministry, which is what? Telling people about Jesus. It's about everything we sang tonight. Uh, miracles. It's about going out and we talk, I mean, it was in our lyrics tonight, like casting out demons and, and seeing people get healed. And I'm laughing as I'm reading and singing these, cause I'm like, we all love the melody of these songs, right? But do we realize what we're singing is actually the gospel and what we're supposed to live? Like we are called to make disciples, to go out there and preach the gospel, to lay hands on the sick, not in our name, but in the name of Jesus, to cast out demons that are trying to, to assault what the plan of, the, of God is. And so he's given us this power. So I don't think there's something, anything greater that we should be talking about than equipping. And we could, be a, we could be a church that's great about coming and feeling the presence of God, and, we, and I hope we do. I, hope, I always hope when we come into his presence, we experience his love, we encounter him, um, we grow in our knowledge of him. All those things I hope happen. But beyond that, I hope when we leave, we leave with an assignment. We leave with an, a, a, one of our tools or one of our weapons sharpened. Like, like, what else is the point then for church? Think about it. If all we do is to come and receive and like, hopefully tonight's my night, I get a prophetic word. Or like, you know, tonight's the night that I'm just gonna like, you know, God, you're gonna magically, miraculously, like somehow take that addiction away. No, can God do those things? Yeah. And he loves to and he can and he does and he, and he will. But is that our driving force as believers? It shouldn't be. Our driving force as believers should be, God, do something in me so that I can do something for someone else. God doesn't save us just for us. If he did, you know what would happen the moment you get saved? My uncle Wendell used to say this all the time. He'd say, he'd go, if the whole point of you was just to get saved, then the moment you got saved, the preacher behind the pulpit would pull out like a gun or something and just be like, go be with Jesus. But that, that, that's not what we believe. Nor, dear God, will we see that in the name of Jesus. But come on, our mission is not to just make it to heaven or be a good Christian in a sense. Our goal as Jesus followers is to be those who make disciples, who equip other saints. Who when we see someone who is hurting and sick, we pray for them in the name of Jesus to be healed. Garrison talked about it. It's like we need faith. 
We need faith. We, we would have faith to say, oh man, someone's trying to assault with the, the work of what God's trying to do. Well, you know, you just take in the name of Jesus. You go, I cast out that demon in the name of Jesus. You're an intruder. You, you have no rights here. And you have all authority, Jesus says. He's given us the keys of the kingdom. So we have all authority to do these things. But the, the reality is, and the difficulty is, is that I think many Christians, and the devil is so good at this, is that the devil works really hard to make you discouraged. The title of my talk tonight is, Why Christians, or When Christians Have a Bad Day. When Christians have a bad day. Has anyone ever had a bad day in here before? <laughs> anyone? Anyone have a bad day this week? You say, this, oh my dear old Lord. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, it was like the majority of you. Oh my God, well, pray for that at the end of the service. Let's redeem the week, you know? But when Christians have a bad day, what are we supposed to look like? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about it? When you're ha- have you thought about it when you're having the bad day? Do you think it matters how I'm acting right now? Or are you so focused on your bad day that you're not, you're like, whatevs. I'm just trying to survive, Right? Or you're not even thinking about the reality that you're still a Jesus follower. People are still watching you. You still represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords insofar as you've told somebody you're a Christian. Maybe nobody in your world even knows. What happens when a Christian has a bad day? Well, there's a great scripture. There's a lot of scriptures in the Bible that give us great examples of Christians having bad days. Um, but one of my favorite in particular is in Acts chapter 16. I've been staying in the book of Acts because I just love it. If you need to study a book, study the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16, we have this story about Paul and Silas, right? And they are going around preaching the gospel. We know Apostle Paul, he's the one who later writes much of the New Testament. And uh, we love Apostle Paul, right? Because he's just, he's got some boldness. He's got some fire in him. He has this, this ability to go around. He doesn't care what nobody thinks. He's not afraid of anything. He's got, he's just like, he's just like who we want to be, right? So we have Apostle Paul in chapter 16 and verse 16. I'm going to read quite a few verses so you can, you, you can read along with me or close your eyes and just let it, you know, don't fall asleep. But like, listen to that, you know, maybe that's, do any of you do the audio like um, on the Bible or one of those with the creepy voices though, the ones that are like really quiet and creepy? There's one that's like really weird that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, some of, yeah, some of them are like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, okay, get out of breath really easy. Okay, verse 16, (laughs) as we were going to the place of prayer, this is Paul and Silas, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination, she's, she's demon-possessed, and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days, Paul having become greatly annoyed. Also why I love Paul. He is so human. He's like irritated by a demon girl following him around saying, these are the guys, these are the guys, these are, I mean, can you imagine days of this? I'd be annoyed too. I'd be like, I don't know what I would do, but Paul turns to the spirit and he says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when the owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. 
And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. This was their only, this was their only accusation, by the way. Uh, casting out a demon was not illegal. It wasn't, this was not something that they were gonna be like, you'd known, you were known to be thrown into jail. They're just irritated that they are disturbing the city. Why? Because this demon girl is, is going around. The demon that's inside of the slave girl is projecting and foretelling the future and they're making money off of this girl. They're losing money now because the demon's gone <laughs> and the girl can no longer tell a fortune. So they're upset. So all they got is they're Jews and they're disturbing the city. They bring them before the officials. Verse 21, and they advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off, off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. Can you, come on, this is the power of a crowd. <laughs> like there was no legitimate reason Paul and Silas did anything illegal. But the crowd is mad, right? And they're yelling insults and the, and the, 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 the officers are like, forget it. Let's just, come on, just beat them, beat them with rods. Verse 23, and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. So they've been beat, beat, bruised, they're, they're bloody. Keep, keep this in mind. We, we read scripture so quickly sometimes, we're not really getting the picture. So they're just literally been beaten. Have you ever been beaten with rods? If you had, you're not feeling great afterwards, right? And probably for a good chunk of time. Having received this order, the jailer puts them into the inner prison and fastens their feet in the socks. So the, their feet are, 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 are locked together. They're, they're tied into a prison. The, the Bible says, or, or scholars will tell us, it's in a basement of a prison in Rome. Um, and about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying about midnight. Now, remember, this is just a few hours after they've been beaten. I'm sure there's headaches. <laughs> there's bruised and bloodied body parts. They're not taking care of them. There's not an Advil in sight, right? There's no Advil. There's no like, you know, warm bath to soothe. There's no Epsom salt anywhere near, okay? Keep in mind, they've just been beaten with rods. So they're in a lot of pain. They're having what I would say a bad day. <laughs> I would call this a bad day. I mean, they go to do a good deed, to cast out a demon out of a girl who's like, man, now you're free. And now they find themselves beat up in prison. And at about midnight, <laughs> Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prison, prisoners were listening to them. What in the world? Who, after, get, after, has been, after you've been beaten up, is gonna sit at midnight with your buddy like it's a slumber party, Come on, you guys, this is why I love the scripture. They're sitting there like it's a slumber party with these other prisoners and they start singing. And the prisoners were listening to them in verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, somebody say immediately. immediately. All the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened, not just Paul and Silas's, everyone's in the prison. Verse 27, when the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. And Paul cried with a loud voice, do, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. 
First of all, why didn't the prisoners, and I don't even have time for this, but Paul and Silas had a mission. I don't know why the rest of them stuck around. They were free. Why didn't they leave? And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them to, or he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's all it took. And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all those that were in the house. And he took them that same hour of that night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced all along with his entire household that, had, that he had believed in God. Come on, somebody think about what could happen on your bad day, your next bad day. Turn to your neighbor and say, your next bad day could be your best day. It could be your best day. When Christians have a bad day, come on, will you pray with me tonight? Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. God, I thank you for your, 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 your empowerment, God. In the midst of any circumstance or any trial, God, I thank you that you are still powerful. You're still on the throne and you accomplish whatever you want to do. And Lord, we just, I ask that you would give us a bigger picture of you, a bigger picture of your presence, a, big, a bigger picture of your power and your anointing and what you've called each and every one of us to do. Lord, I ask that we would not be timid Christians, but we would be bold Christians. Lord, I pray that we would not be afraid of what others might think, but God, we would fear God and we would desire to do your will above all other things in the name of Jesus. So Lord, open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive whatever it is you wanna say tonight. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for this church. I thank you for this group of people, Capital Young Adults, that's near and dear to your heart. These are your people. This is your church. And so God, we ask whatever you wanna do, you do tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So why do we think that Christians so easily let a bad day ruin their day? Or in some cases, their life. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever had a run? <laughs> Some of you are like, this is too tender. You know, it's like too soon. Like it just ha it happened this week. But come on, oh, we've all had bad days and I'm, I'm, I'm not immune. Like I, I have bad days too. And I, the last thing I wanna do is help you <laughs> on a bad day. The last thing I wanna do is like encourage someone else, you know? Like I, I, I wait, I have a bad day and like the, all I think about is how can I bless someone, you know? It's like not my first thought. Right? I want it to be, but it's not always. Oftentimes I'm like, God, why? You know? It's like, I'm serving you. Why do I have to go through this? Come on, right? We ask the question so often as Christians, why? why? Why do we have to go through trials? Why do we have to experience affliction or pain or discouragement or any of these things? See, Christians, I think, are so frequently discouraged with, when difficulties come because we have this weird, morbid, wrong thinking which is this, we wrongly assume that our faith in Jesus makes us, gives us some sort of like a vaccine, right? We're all, we all know about vaccines, okay, right? We hear about it all the time. But if we think like our trust in Jesus or our faith or our hope in Jesus is like a vaccine 
to the unexpected, the unwanted, the tragic, the sorrowful, the confusing, the hurtful, the difficult things. Come on, for a second. I'm not gonna make you be too truthful in church. I'm not gonna make you raise your hand on this one, but if you were honest with yourself at the bottom of who you are, do you think that a little bit? Do you? Do you think like, you know, because you trust in Jesus, that means you're immune. You got that vaccine, let's go. Masks off. (laughs) You know, I just love, I just love. Just because it's so relevant. I'm trying to be relevant. We've been saying mask up. It's like, when are we going to say mask off? <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, not, I'm not making a statement about masks. I'm just, you know, having fun. Um, but come on, we think we get a vaccine. So then we're going about our life, like doing whatever we want. And then the, the devil strikes or something happens in life because we live in a broken world and we're human. All of a sudden we trip and fall and we're like, why'd you let me trip and fall, God? <laughs> I thought I had the vaccine. And God's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) You literally are wearing shoes that are too big for you. (laughs) You know, and you tripped. (laughs) Like oftentimes it's something like that, right? We're mad at God or we're frustrated at God or we're frustrated because we think as Christians we should be immune to the things that that others go through but not Christians. here's, Here's the dirty little secret to life. Christians will have bad days. I'm pretty sure Paul, if he was honest, and he probably would have said it with a smile, this wasn't my best day. Today was a tough day. But what does Paul do in the midst of a bad day? Versus what do we do in the middle of a bad day? See, we have to start as Christians, our starting point has to be whether it's a good day, a bad day, a sorrowful day, a hurtful day, an offended day, whatever kind of day, I still believe in Jesus. See, we're not immune to suffering and heartache. We're not. Bad things can and do happen to Christians. All the bad things that happen to unbelievers can happen to believers. And Paul knew this well. And yet Paul's the one that so openly over and over again, read the book of Philippians, he says, rejoice over and over again while he's in a prison. And he says, I'm content in all circumstances. And you're just like, what weirdo? Like you're in prison, stop. But what does he know that we don't know? Well, he knows that whether it's a good day or a bad day, God's still in charge. So as Christians, you could have a bad day, but it doesn't mean God's not good. You can have a bad day or get a bad diagnosis or a bad report or have just a bad breakup or bad, 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 bad anything. And guess what? That still makes God good, 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 good. (laughs) Nothing bad that happens to us makes God bad. Nothing. God can't be bad because he can't go against his own nature, his own character and everything about God is good. So even in your bad day or your badness, guess what? God remains good and steadfast and faithful. Billy Graham says, nowhere does the Bible teach, nowhere does the Bible teach, the greatest evangelist of all time. I believe if Billy Graham says anything, I'm gonna listen to it, okay? He says, nowhere does the Bible teach that Christians are exempt from the tribulations and natural disasters that come upon the people of the world. Scripture does teach, however, 
that the Christian can face tribulation, crisis, and personal suffering with a supernatural power, an earthquake in chapter 16 of Acts, that is unavailable to the person outside of Jesus. Meaning this, you are immune to bad days, but you have a power that unbelievers cannot access. Like an earthquake in a prison. Like, when's the last time you had a bad day and you're like, thank God I'm having the bad day, but I'm a Christian, so God's gonna turn it around. When's the last time that was your confession? When's the last time something really bad happened, tragic, frustrating, annoying, whatever, and you said, oh, this is not what I expected, but man, whoa, God, what are you gonna do with this? How are you gonna show people how good you are? I can't wait to see it. Some of you are like, the girl up there is a weirdo. Thank you for saying that. Or maybe we just have such bad, morbid, dysfunctional thinking that we don't even realize that as Christians, the way we should be thinking, the way we should believe, the way we should trust, we're so backwards in the way we live that faith and faith statements and belief and trust and the power of God is weird. And God's like, no, you're weird. Having a bad day and walking around like this. And everyone comes up to you and like, what's going on? Oh my, oh, I can't, I can't. <laughs> the I can't, I can't is like code for, please come hug me and tell, ask me more. <laughs> Instead, we could be going through something and, and I don't diminish problems or suffering or difficulties in any way. But in the midst of it, I could go, man, I don't know what's happening. I really don't. And I don't know what the future is. And I don't know what the outcome is going to be. But I know my God is good. And I know my God will use it for good. It doesn't mean this is good. See, and that's where our theology gets weird, right? And people get really, like, some people get really weird on things. Um, in some faith movements and will say things that I'm, I don't necessarily feel comfortable and agree with. Like, I would never say something like a diagnosis is good. I would never. But I would say that God can turn some good out of it. God could work good in it. I would never say death is good. But I would say, but man, my God, I know him. He's the one who loves to resurrect, bring resurrection life to things. I know that my God can take something that is dead and he can make life out of it. I know my God could take a bad situation and he can turn it and it can be good. It doesn't mean what I'm going through is good, but it does mean that God can turn it for good. And that has gotta be the rhythm of our hearts. Otherwise, every bad day we have is a wasted day. It's a wasted day. You might as well groundhog day that day and just go right back to sleep and try to start all over again, you know? Is that, is that way too old of a movie for you? <laughs> but come on, every day that God gives us and that he's given us breath and life, every day I wake up is an opportunity. Every day I wake up is an opportunity to praise him, to magnify him, to tell someone about Jesus, to walk in the mission and the purpose that he's called me to, to do uh, what he's gifted me in every single day. So every day I have a bad day, 
and I just sulk in my bad day or just whine about my bad day or just sit in my room and I watch TV on my bad day or I just text my friend about my bad day or cryptically text everyone on social media about my bad day, you know? Instead of, instead of turning what the enemy meant for evil and God meant to turn around for good and allowing God to go, I know it's a bad day, but can you imagine what would happen if you told people about me on your worst day? <laughs> Shots fired. Because I highly doubt many of us in the room have spent very much time telling people about Jesus on our worst day. And yet that's what Paul did. Paul on a bad day spent his day telling people about Jesus. See, the best thing we can do and the way we can operate as Christians is to use the opportunity that God gives us, even on our worst day, to make it about Jesus. Have you ever met someone who went through something and they're like worshiping? Have you ever seen those people? And then have you seen the Christians who are going through something and the whole world knows they're going through something? You know, you tell me which one, you tell me which one builds, you faith, builds faith in you. you. You tell me which one, all of a sudden you start looking at different and like, man, I hope I'd be like that on my bad day. You tell me what it looks like and what they sound like promise you this, the one who is worshiping God in the midst of a storm is bringing more people and drawing more people to Jesus than the one who's whining and complaining and frustrated and feeling down because of a bad day. You're gonna have bad days, but your bad days could actually be your best days. I believe that. This is not some weird mumbo jumbo like TED Talk. I'm not trying to like give you like, Okay, so you're having a bad day. <laughs> Here's 10 steps to make it a good one. No, I'm just saying, you're gonna have bad days. What are you gonna do with it? How are you gonna utilize it? How are you gonna point people to Jesus? Or are you going to waste the day feeling down when God sent his son Jesus to go on a cross for you so that you would have to spend not a single day being lonely and sad and angry or frustrated or disappointed. He knows you're gonna have difficulty, but he also knows what his son carried for you so that you can put your head up high, that you can walk with your shoulders back, that you can say, I know what the enemy wants to do, but I know what my God can do. Amen. That's the kind of people we're called to be. And then we wonder, like, why don't people want to be Christians? I don't know. Maybe I should look at me. <laughs> we always blame, you know, some other Christian for why people don't want to be Christians. And we never think, am I a very good example? I think about it a lot as a pastor and, you know, as a Christian. But, uh, you know, I'll be out and about and I'll be like, man, I better be careful how I drive. <laughs> I better be careful, like, you know, when I'm, if my, with my nail girl or my hair girl or, you know, when I'm, I, I'm talking to people that know what I do and they know who I am because guess what? Like, I don't get to have a bad day. But is that because I'm a pastor? No, I just think about it more as pastor. 
is because I'm a Christian. I don't, I don't get to just live in my bad day. I'm gonna have them, but I'm gonna go, Jesus, how can we turn this around? What can I do to demonstrate your goodness in the midst of, how can I use this as an opportunity to show people Jesus? That's what gets me excited. Because my bad day, and that's, isn't that crazy? By the end of the night, you'd be like, that wasn't even so bad. Because all of a sudden, you're pointing people to Jesus. You're having joy in the midst of trials and tribulations and situations. And people are like asking you, okay, like the jailer's asking Paul and Silas, like, sirs, how, how, do, I, how do I get saved? Can you imagine on your next bad day, someone goes, hey, how, how, do, how, how, do, how do I know Jesus like you? How, how do I have joy and like, how do I feel peace? And how, how do I live like free like you do when I know what you're going through? How, how do I have that? And all you have to say is believe in the Lord Jesus. Yeah. Believe in the Lord Jesus. This was what set Paul and Silas apart. So we have this text. It's fascinating, right? This is not Paul's first time in prison, right? This is not his first nor his last. <laughs> And yet he finds himself doing a little acoustic worship, kind of like tonight. Oh, that's tender. It was like such a perfect service for the message. He was having like a little acoustic worship set with his little slumber party buddies, right? Singing and worshiping at midnight. First of all, remember the pain. He's been beaten. He's probably pretty sore. He's probably, you know, feeling pretty tired and weak. And I would think if anything, maybe he's sleeping, like, why wouldn't you just go to sleep? Because have you ever been in so much pain or you just want to get through the night? You're like, just, I just want to sleep so I can get through it and you just can't wait to get up in the morning. It's how I feel about going to sleep to wake up to have coffee. Anyone else? Like, I cannot wait to go to sleep simply because the morning means coffee, you know? In a similar situation, but far more dramatic, is Paul. I would think, Paul, wouldn't you just want to go to sleep? But instead, at midnight, you're worshiping and singing and praying on his worst day or a bad day. Here, here's Paul and Silas, and they're doing this. They're, 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 they did something noble, and they find themselves in jail. And then after being through the ringer that day, they're singing, and they're worshiping, and everybody in the prison hears it. And all of a sudden, what does that do? What does the prayers and the worship do to God? Apparently, it causes God to bring an earthquake to the prison, which unleashes all of the shackles on not just Paul and Silas, but every prisoner in the place. So all of a sudden, they're all free from a midnight worship acoustic set. See, you don't even need lights and drums and all that. Kind of, you just need some good singing, right? You need some good worship hearts. All of a sudden, all the shackles are gone, and they're all free. Now, here's the, this is the most important part of the story, though, is the jailer. The jailer wakes up, because he was normal at midnight, he's sleeping. <laughs> he wakes up to this chaos, and he goes rushing in, and he sees that they're all, like, loosened from their shackles. And it says he takes his sword, and he gets ready. Why does he take his sword? To kill himself. He knows, as a, as a, as a Roman guard, his number one job was to protect and to keep those, those, sold, or those prisoners in the prison. Roman officials would kill a prison guard who could not keep and do his one job. He had one job, and that was to keep prisoners imprisoned. <laughs> so he knows, I'm, I'm already gonna die. I'm just gonna take this sword and kill myself. What does Paul do? No, 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 no. 
He stops him. Paul knows what this jailer is about to do. This jailer on Paul's worst day is getting ready to kill himself. And Paul goes, no, 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 wait, everybody's here. And in that moment, the jailer is overwhelmed by what has happened because he's thinking, why didn't they all run away? What is happening? Why are they singing? These people are weird. What is going on? He's been beaten. He, he, he's probably bleeding. He's probably sore. He's probably upset. He's probably frustrated and instead he's been singing and then he tells me, don't do anything, don't harm myself. So the moment the jailer feels this, he experiences the presence of God. And he says, sirs, what can I do to be saved? On Paul's bad day, a jailer comes to know Jesus. On Paul and Silas's worst day, somebody who was far from God, willing to take their own life because they were so discouraged and low, but because Paul was willing on a bad day to say, no, I'm gonna worship, I'm gonna praise, I'm gonna magnify, that even Paul's bad day saved the life of a jailer. And then the Bible goes on to say, and his whole household. Not only the jailer got saved, but his whole household got saved and baptized. All because Paul had a bad day. And in his bad day, he refused to just sit down and hunker down and, and, and take care of his wounds and think about himself. Come on, generation. I'm talking to a generation that thinks about themselves way too much. Your first thought is you, your last thought is you, and almost every thought in between. And God is calling a generation to live higher, to think about what God has called them into. God is calling a generation to see the purpose and the vision that he's put in their hearts, that your life is not just for you, but it's for others. And there are people waiting in your world right now, right now, that are watching you. Can you imagine if Paul and Silas did it the other way? Just let's think about this story. Let's think about it. If Paul and Silas on a bad day decided, I'm just gonna live in this bad day. Like Paul's tired of getting beaten. He's been beat quite a bit. Paul's had assassination attempts. Paul's just trying to do the work of the ministry. Like he's doing a good deed. I and mean, all he did was cast out a demon out of a slave girl. Like that sounds noble. You'd think at some point, Paul's like, dear God, I'm over it. <laughs> like I'm just gonna sit here. I'm gonna lay here with blood. I'm just gonna try to sleep it off. Hopefully tomorrow will be a better day. Could you imagine the difference of the story? Can you imagine the difference of the text? Can you imagine what the church and the early church would look like if Paul wouldn't have trusted God on a bad day? We know this to be sure. There'd be maybe no earthquake and no singing and no shackles would be released and there'd be no jailer in a household that knew Jesus. But because of Paul's response to a tough day, to a bad day, guess what happens? The people around you come to know Jesus. When's the last time you sang on a bad day? When's the last time your bad day led somebody to trust Jesus? When's the last time any of us had a day where 
We influence others with our prayers and our singing when everybody knew the circumstances of our life. I think we have the best opportunity to tell people about Jesus when we're going through something. Here's the problem, though. I'm going to sit like, I don't know why. It just feels fun. Here's the problem. We can't get past our bad days. Why? Why? Because we think we're the only people in the world. I'm waiting for the piano to make it sound sweeter. Do you think about other people as much as you think about yourself? Or are you so consumed with your world and your life and what people think or your hopes and your dreams and what you want? That when you wake up one day and you get a text and it sets you off and it's not gonna be the best day you know it and you just dwell on it you just live like it you walk like it you look like it everybody around you knows it but at the same time everybody knows you're a Christian but you don't show Jesus see I fear for Christians today because we don't testify enough to his goodness, we testify of our sadness. That's what we testify of. We testify about our disappointments. We testify about our sin. We tell more people about our sin than we do about his reconciliation. We testify about our frustrations at church or our offenses of people instead of testifying about the goodness of God and how he rescued me, how he delivered me, how he pulled me out of a dark place and he placed me into his marvelous light. Why do Christians get so discouraged? Because we choose to. Your life is not worse than anybody else's. In fact, your life is better because you know Jesus. Doesn't mean you're not gonna have a bad day. And it doesn't mean you're not gonna have a disappointment, lose a job, maybe have someone break up with you or maybe struggle with some health in your body at some point. Or These things happen, right? Until we're with Jesus in heaven. But until then, we might be the only representation of Jesus to people outside of this room on a Sunday night. And on your bad day, you have an opportunity to make it somebody else's best day. Somebody who's broken and hurting, somebody who's thinking right now in their room, somewhere in the Treasure Valley about taking their own life. You go to school with them every single day or you work with them or maybe they're a cousin or a friend and you spend so much time thinking about your frustrations and your pain and your hurt and you're sitting there with the answer. 
for them. What would happen next time on your worst day, you made it their best day? How many people would come rushing to Jesus? He saved you so that you would testify, not of your sadness, but of his goodness. We're called to be light, light bearers. Come on. What would happen on your next bad day if you sang? Hey everyone, thanks for being with us today. We hope that you were encouraged. We want to remind you, subscribe to our podcast. You can be listening in every week. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media. We have our Instagram at Capital Young Adults. We also have our Facebook page. We'd love if you would follow us on there. And also, if you have any prayer requests, we want to be praying with you. Shoot us a direct message or an email. That way we can be praying with you in this time. We love you guys. We hope you have the best week and we can't wait to be back with you this time next week.